0: You're listening to the Gates Church podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. The preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that we could be here this morning. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for our salvation, Lord. We thank you for the grace that you've poured out upon us. Your Holy Spirit within us, Lord God, we thank you for this church, for what you're doing in this church, for what you're doing in our hearts, Lord, uh, for changing us, for drawing us closer to you day day by day, Lord. And and, uh, we pray that today will be more of the same, Lord God, that as we go through your word, Lord, you'll write it on our hearts and in our minds and that we'll be drawn even closer to you and closer uh, and and that that we'll grow in the knowledge of who you are, Lord God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so it started about a year ago. There was a cast photo of this new movie that was coming out, and it was a cast photo that was posted online for some sort of Star Wars prequel. And let me tell you, I was intrigued. And what followed next was a teaser trailer. In February of 2016, a one-minute video appeared on the interwebs flashing with images of stormtroopers, blasters firing, and a small band of rebel fighters ready to take on the Empire. And then Darth Vader appeared at the end, you know, breathing the way he does. And the nerd inside me leapt within my chest. And then I waited. And then it wasn't until April when another teaser trailer was released. And I could feel the anticipation, you know, building inside of me. And then finally, on August 11th, the first full-length trailer for Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, was revealed. And let me tell you, I watched it. And since then, there have been a few more trailers and TV spots and posters and ads and international trailers with a little bit more footage than the American trailers, so you've got to watch those ones. And, and all these things are coming out, all, right, all for the simple purpose of building up the hype of our, and, and our expectations and our excitement as they, as they give short glimpses and tiny samples of what's to come. And in two weeks, after, after a year of anticipation and a whole childhood of longing to have the story told, the movie we've all been waiting for will finally arrive because I assume everyone is as excited as me. And when it comes out, I will watch it. But I'm probably going to wait a week or two after it comes out because I don't want to stand in line. But still, what I'm getting at here is that hope is a lot like a movie trailer for a movie that you really want to have come out. Hope gives us a glimpse or a possibility of what's to come, right? Something to anticipate, something, something to look forward to, something to keep us going and keep us motivated to press on. And what I love about the Old Testament is that, it, that it's full of these moments, these glimpses, these, these trailers, if I may, for, for what's to come. For who was to come, even from the beginning of creation to the to the first sin, to God's first covenant promise, to the revealing of the law, to the to the reign of of Israel and Judah's kings, to the many exiles and restorations of God's people, to the words of the prophets, over 360 prophetic words, in fact, about Christmas alone, all pointing to something better. All pointing to this coming king that would restore, rule, and rescue God's people once and for all. And then he flipped to the New Testament. And there's John the Baptist who who leapt in his mother's womb for a a better reason than than the nerd inside of me. Leapt inside of me because he was in the presence of a pregnant Mary who was carrying this promised king. And later in John the Baptist's life, we know that he was the forerunner, the, the last prophet before Jesus. Would come, And he came announcing to the world that, if I can continue my cheesy movie analogy, he was not only revealing the final trailer for what was to come, but he was announcing to the world that, that, the, that the tickets were finally available for pre-sale, right? As he prepared the people's hearts in repentance for what was coming, the king was bringing his kingdom. And he's saying, he's, he's coming with a message to get in line, to repent and believe, for the kingdom is at hand. And Christmas Day, well, we know Christmas Day was the release date that every event in the history of man up to that point was pointing to and leading us up to. I told Blair that my sermon was going to be cheesy, and I was right. <laughs> Christmas, every event in the history of man to that point, and, and every, every event was leading up to this moment, the incarnation the boy child, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He came into the world to dwell with us, to be with us, to teach us about his kingdom, but most of all, to be our king and to be our savior. And of course, the cross is the climax to this story. When Jesus, humble lamb of God, he took our sin and shame to the point of death, so that through grace we could have the free gift of forgiveness of sins, so that we could be covered in his righteousness, we could be adopted into the kingdom of God as heirs to his throne, sons of daughters of of God the Father. And to be honest, I think we often think that the story stops there. But the credits haven't rolled yet, right? Because Jesus rose from the grave. And Jesus is coming again but not as a meek child this time around, right? Christmas tells us that that story's already been told. He's been there. He's done that. He's come as a child. But when he comes again, he's coming as the king of kings. He's coming as the Lord of Lords, the righteous judge. He's coming as a warrior to crush Satan's reign completely and destroy the effects of sin and death for good. He's coming to usher His people into a new heaven and earth. He's coming to gather up His church, His bride, and to Himself and present us without shame and without blemish to God the Father. Revelation 2, 1-5. Let's read that. Let's look at what we have waiting for us. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That's the ending of the story. And that's why at Christmas time we remember that Jesus came to dwell with us. When we remember that, it should always point us first to the hope of the cross and second to the hope that he's coming again to make all things new. when there'll be no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, but new resurrection life in the presence of our God. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm putting my faith in. And we can place our faith in this kind of hope because it will not fail. It will not fail. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Right? Faith is the assurance of hope. So let me ask, how can we have faith if we don't have certain hope? How can we have obedience of faith, like the passage says this morning, if we don't have certain hope? Because if we're not confident, our faith is going to be shaky at best, right? It'll be be conservative and it'll be careful in obedience, like, like dipping our toes into the water. I'll be like, oh man, you know, I hope this is the right path, but I'm not totally sure, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna dip my toes in, I'm just gonna test it out, just you know, just give it a chance, but not totally commit to it. But if we have certain hope, if we have a full assurance of hope, then we can dive right in, or cannonball in, whatever you want to do, because of Christmas, because Jesus came, because His Spirit dwells with us even now, we have assurance. And we can be sure that he's coming again. We have that assurance of hope. Romans 5.5 5 says, And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The same Spirit that Jesus was conceived by in the womb of Mary, that the same spirit that was poured out in Jesus at the beginning of his ministry on earth, the same spirit of God that lifted him out of the grave, the same spirit dwells within each one of us who believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. First and foremost, as a seal, right? As a seal, as a promise that says, we are his, we are his. A promise that says, this hope will not disappoint Or as Marshall Segal writes, this hope is as alive as Jesus is. And we need that kind of a hope. Because again, let's be honest, sometimes hope definitely has the ability to breed disappointment in our lives. Right? If we put our faith in the wrong thing, it can lead to disappointment. And disappointment can cause us to quit. Disappointment can cause us to doubt. Disappointment can cause us to become depressed or frustrated, frustrated or, or angry. Again, I'm currently hoping that Rogue One will be an excellent movie, but will I be disappointed? We'll see. Or like back in 2011, when I put my faith in the roster of the Vancouver Canucks in the hopes that they would beat the Boston Bruins in the Stanley Cup final and win their first Stanley Cup ever, and I was disappointed my hope was crushed. But seriously though, I'm sure that many of you have placed your hope maybe or your faith in in people you've trusted in the hope that they would come through for you in some circumstance and sometimes they didn't. Maybe sometimes they may have even betrayed you and betrayed your trust. There's there's been many times where I've tried to place my faith in myself many times and and it didn't work out or end very well. Uh, whether it was as a, as a father, or as a pastor, or a husband, or, or a musician, or even a soccer player. In all of these cases, I've repeatedly let myself down. So even having faith in ourselves can sometimes lead to disappointment. And since Christmas is coming, I'm sure some of you are probably hoping to get a pretty cool gift for Christmas, right? Maybe you've placed your faith in a friend or family member or a parent to come through for you to get you that like, one thing that you really want. Maybe something like an official Red Rider Carbon Action 200 shot range model air rifle. Only to have that hope crushed by your mom or grade school teacher telling you that you just shoot your eye out. And I'm glad that a lot of you are laughing. That means you got the reference. But for those who didn't get the reference... That is from one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. And if you didn't get it, another example of how putting faith in people can lead to hope-crushing disappointment. I'm just kidding. Kind of. But what I'm getting at is that if we place our faith in the wrong things or place too much expectation on certain people or certain things, we're bound to find frustration and regret waiting for us at the other end. Even in situations where there's there's great and, and amazing and awesome intentions. Because unless we put our faith in something perfect, in something sure, our hope can never be certain. Otherwise, it's just actually wishful thinking. Right? Oh, I hope this works out. I I hope I do good on this test. I hope this car starts this winter. You know, that kind of hope may or may not come true. That's wishful thinking. And don't get me wrong, there's going to be many times where the faith and hope that we put in someone or something does pay off. Hopefully we can trust each other, right? But the point is, is that if our foundation of hope isn't on God, who's perfect and wise and faithful in all his ways then it's not a hope that won't eventually disappoint at some time. And Jesus, he gives us access to that hope, which will not disappoint. Throughout the Old Testament, we can can learn from them. Throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites, they placed their faith and hope in many things besides God, and it never worked out for them completely. One time in particular, they asked God for a king. And God told them, well, you don't need a king because I'm the king of the ages. And they're like, no, we want to be like every other nation. And so God's like, fine, I'll give you a king. And guess what? The first king, King Saul, he failed them. Their faith in him was misplaced, and the hope that they had for an awesome king was was crushed. Next next, Next up after him was King David from the line of Jesse. He defeated Goliath. He restored the the people to a semblance of some sort of glory. And he was a good king, a man after God's own heart, even. But again, guess what? He failed them. Each and every time a new king took the throne and they put their faith in this king, righteous or not, God knew, God knew that they were setting themselves up for disappointment. So, what does God do? He gives them a reason to keep the faith. He gives them hope in their hopeless situations. In the midst of their stupidity and their sins and their mistakes and their poverty and their struggles, even in their moments of prosperity, God continually promised them a better king. One who wouldn't fail them. And that king came and he conquered and he now sits at the right hand of God with all authority over heaven and earth. And the great thing for us is that this King, Jesus Christ, not only fulfilled God's promise for them, but also made it so that we, Gentiles, non Jewish folk, could be grafted into the benefits and covenant of his promises as well. The hope given to them. Was always intended to be the hope for us as well let 's read the passage again romans fifteen eight to thirteen because that 's what this is all about. The hope given to them was also for us it says for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised the Jews to show god 's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles in him will the Gentiles hope. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. The hope of a promised King that's been revealed to us in Jesus Christ is for us. A free gift from the God of hope so that we can abound in hope. Not to be cautiously hopeful, but assured in hope. To overflow with hope. What does this mean for us then? It means that in seasons of trial and persecution, we've been strengthened with the hope of His Spirit within us to persevere in faith. In times of injustice, we can be assured that when Jesus comes again, He will judge rightly and perfectly. In times of sickness or struggles with mental health or injury, we can rest in the hope of healing, either now or in eternity. When our flesh is failing, we have the hope that our spirit is being made strong. In times of sadness, we're strengthened with the the hope that Christ will come again, when he'll wipe away all our tears. In times of prosperity and joy, we can be strengthened and encouraged with the truth that when Jesus comes, it'll be even better. And in times of helplessness and loneliness, we have the hope of a God who comforts us, and restores us. And in times of mourning, and in times of death, we have full assurance in resurrection life. And in times of sinful guilt, and weakness, and despair, we can have full assurance of hope in the grace and strength of Christ to lift us up into uprightness and good works for His glory. So to sum it all up, Basically then, in our everyday lives, we can have faith to live for Christ with all we are, no matter what the circumstance, because we have a certain hope that this world isn't our kingdom. And there's Bible verses that back up everything I just said, but for the sake of time and for your own good, I want to challenge you all this week to look up all the verses that deal with the hope of Christ look those verses up for your own sake and what you'll find are the points that I've just said but you'll also find much more promises and assurances because the reality is is that it affects and it changes everything the hope of Christ changes our outlook changes our attitude our worldview, our behavior what we invest in how we react to different circumstances everything it changes who we are Because of Jesus, we've been born into a living hope. It's a, it's a life change. We've been born again. It's a life change. It is life. So let's place our hope in the one who will not disappoint. Let's place our hope in Jesus the King. Enough about us, though. What about the world? What I mean is, is this hope just for us? Are the benefits just for us? Is it supposed to be hidden away in our hearts like some hipster album that will lose its coolness if someone finds out about it? Is it supposed to be wrapped up neatly under the tree for no one to see? Absolutely not. Just like how the hope for the Jews was also our hope, in the same way, the hope that's been revealed to us in Christ and sealed in us by the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can share it with others. That's why we're called ambassadors of the King. We represent the King. We represent Him on this earth. We're to be the hope for the hopeless in the name of Jesus. And it's no secret. We all know that in this city there's a Fentanyl overdose just two blocks away on the street last night. They saved his life, fortunately. But we know that in this city, we know that in this province, we know that in this country, we know that in this world, there are many, too many people living in hopelessness. Whether it's in poverty or anxiety or drugs or depression or situations of abuse or loneliness. People need to see and know hope. And Jesus has called us not to to keep it to ourselves while everyone suffers around us. Jesus has called us to proclaim to the world where to find this hope. And we can start by showing them what hope looks like. Conversely, if we're running around screaming about how the world's ending or falling apart or, uh, or you know, dying in sin or whatever, or if we're moping about how crummy our lives are, no one's going to want to jump aboard that train, right? Not that we're supposed to hide our feelings and and pretend everything's all right all the time. Quite the opposite. We should be realistic and empathetic to the problems in our lives and others' lives and in the world. But as Christians, we haven't been given the strength of the Holy Spirit only to fall into despair in the midst of whatever we're going through or whatever's happening in the world, right? We're afflicted, but not crushed, perplexed, but not given to despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, The difference between us and everyone else is that we've been given the power to overcome and persevere through any circumstance with faith because we have a king who's sovereign and faithful and with us in the midst of it. His life is manifest in us. We should be portraying hope to the world. The world should see us and hear us and be like, why Why are they so hopeful? How can they keep on going in the midst of all this mess? How can they rejoice when they don't have a job? Or how can they stand and sing praise to God at a funeral? And we can tell them because Jesus is our king. It reminds me of when when the Apostle Paul and and Silas were in prison and they're bound in chains and their first reaction is to publicly pray and exalt God and worship. I love that. They publicly conveyed hope in a hopeless situation for all the other prisoners and guards and whoever else to to see and hear because they trusted God. They trusted God. And God did come through for them. He released them and they had an opportunity to share the gospel with the jailer who probably didn't understand their hope until he did. So to be ambassadors of the hope of Christ, we we need to not only receive that hope for ourselves, but to also live in it, to display it, to give people a glimpse and a preview of what it looks like. Another way we can convey hope is to just simply tell people. Tell people of our hope. Proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. And if that doesn't come natural to you, and start praying. Start praying for the people you want to share with. Start praying for opportunities to share with those you love and, and, and to those who, whom you've built relationships with. And when you get those opportunities, invite them to know and experience the hope that you have in Christ. So display the hope of Christ. Share the hope of Christ. And another way to share this hope is to actually be the hope of Christ in people's lives. And this is a big one. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, pray for the hurting, serve the poor and widows, stand up for victims of injustice. Basically, to give the hopeless an experience of what hope feels like. Some people don't even know what hope feels like. Show people what it means to be valued and loved. And then we'll be given the opportunity to tell them why. On that note, um, I'm going to take this opportunity to announce what we are going to be doing on Christmas Day. And it's super exciting. Uh, From 11 o'clock to 2 o'clock, we're going to be working with Streets Alive and a couple others to feed a Christmas dinner to the homeless and to the poor and to those in need. And I'm super excited about that. And I hope that you guys will be willing to get involved and serve with that. To bring hope, hope to the hopeless. I love that. And that's a huge way that we can share the hope of Christ. And while there are a lot more ways to display Christ's hope to the world, I'm going to end with this one from Romans 5, 1-2. to It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice because one, excuse me, we rejoice because we know that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when we see the magnitude and glory of our King, when we look unto Him who is able, when we think about how He came into the world to save us and how He's coming again, how could we not rejoice in the hope of the glory of God? So let us rejoice for the world to see. Let us rejoice with the view of that hope at the forefront of our minds and hearts, and again, let us rejoice in such a way that, that the world will see and know that true hope only comes from God through Jesus Christ, the promised king, who has come and is coming again. So in closing then, from Romans 16:27, "To the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we have a tendency to place our hope in things like money, or in ourselves, or in our spouses. Lord God, and these things can give us a a semblance of, of some sort of security some sort of hope, Lord God. But we know that, that these things will pass away. We know that, that because those things aren't, aren't perfect, because we aren't perfect, we, those aren't things that are a sure hope, Lord God. But I thank you that you sent Jesus Christ to be our sure hope, so that we can have assurance in faith, so that we can be strengthened in our faith, so that we can live for you with confidence, knowing that you will come through, knowing that you are with us through any circumstance, Lord God. It's incredible to to live a life where we don't have to, to, to wish that things will turn out in the end, but to live a life knowing that things will turn out in the end because you are good, because you are faithful. So, Lord, this morning, we look to you. The only wise, eternal king, we look to you, Lord, for our hope. And Lord God, I pray this morning for those who, who've never experienced hope, who don't know what hope feels like, or for those this morning that are kind of on the fence of whether to, to, to dive in and trust you in faith, or, or they're not sure. Lord God, I pray this morning that you would draw them to you. Through the blood of Jesus Christ poured out on the cross, Lord God, that they would be able to enter your presence with confidence, with boldness and surrender to you this morning. That they would know your hope. That they would experience the hope that we've experienced that you've given us, Lord God. Jesus, we thank you for coming to dwell with us. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your spirit that dwells within us, Lord. And we thank you that you're coming again. We glorify in Him.